You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumare. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumare. Mary, I was thinking this morning, you of course are a lawyer. Uh, you were never a judge, although I have to admit, I often thought you would have been a really good judge. Oh, what a nice thing for you to say. I think that's true. I think you would have, you're t- you have judicial temperament. I would say I probably do. That's why I do mediate, and I think that's probably what I bring to those mediations. Yeah, and, you know, after being a judge for like 10 or 15 years, you could have gotten a syndicated uh, uh, TV st- show like Judge Judy. It could have been Judge Joe. Yeah, and, Judge, and, or yeah. Judge Jojo. One of my friends calls me Jojo. Yeah, Judge and, Jojo. Yeah. yeah, and made a lot of money. But you would have had a proud and dignified career, unlike Judge Eileen Cannon, who oh. I poor Judge Eileen Cannon. But I got to ask you. I mean, you know judges, obviously, probably more uh, more than I do. I don't think Judge Eileen Cannon feels good today. Do you? No, I mean. They say that one thing that motivates judges is to not be overturned on appeal. And I'm sure included in that is to not be beat up by the appellate panel. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. It's one thing. You probably are going to get overturned someday. But you don't like to get slapped down. And humiliated. But, you know, I'm not surprised because... You know, clearly all over the pundit class, the TV lawyers were beating beating her up for the decision. And it just takes the courts longer to come to the conclusions than it does the pundit class. I think it was always obvious to most um, watchers and court watchers that the decision was wrong. But, John, what appears is it was more than wrong. It was dangerous because the courts operate with so much independence and they must, you know, you have to have a body that can stand away, a governmental body that can stand away from the political process. And that's what the federal courts are supposed to do. It's one reason why they have a lifetime appointment and they don't run for office as most state judges do. So if you're going to have the luxury of that lifetime appointment, then you must also be a responsible player. And for her to make a decision that stands outside of the rule of law and favors one person, i.e. Donald Trump in the, the case of the special master's case, she really did not live up to her obligations as a federal judge, as a appointed, lifetime appointed Article Three judge. No, and I, I read pretty carefully uh, about the decision uh, because I have never been a lawyer. I've never studied law, but boy, I love to make believe I am. And, <laughs> and the only way I can do that is like try and read these and understand understand them. And if I understand it, one of the key issues the court decided on is that one branch of government, the judicial, cannot interfere 
with the normal functioning of another branch of government. And the court saw it that for the Justice Department to get a search warrant legally and execute that search warrant legally, the judiciary cannot come in and say, no, you're not doing that the right way. We have to change that. That just breaks the division. You know, certainly there's ability uh, for the courts, for the Supreme Court in particular, to review legislation that went on. I, am I reading it right or am I reading too much? Yeah, I mean, that? I think if you go back to how search warrants are issued, so the DOJ had to go to a judge to have the search warrant granted, right? So you already have um, a check on just the DOJ just issuing warrants right, left, and indifferent, right? And once the warrant is executed and the evidence is taken from, in this case, Mar-a-Lago, then the DOJ is using those in a prosecution in front of a court. The court will then rule on the admissibility of those documents based on whether or not the warrant was one properly issued and properly executed. So it's not like the system runs amok. There's all kinds of checks and balances, right? What the, the criminal defendant is given, what process is due, right? What the constitution allows for due process. So I, I didn't read it, so congratulations to you. You know, I just read the reporting on it. But my understanding was you can't create in the system that's already set up to protect the criminal defendant, yet another system just for one special person, that everyone is subject to the same laws. And this is the law that the, this is the way the Constitution is set up to protect criminal defendants. And, and Trump is no different than you or I. Well, that's exactly the way I read it. It was that she had singled him out as president and not only as president, in a way he was protected because of the nature of the things he took, because these are national security. So it's like if, if you hadn't stolen something so important, so sensitive, then I wouldn't have to give you extra help. But that actually doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, you know, should we say that the vice president of accounting who is suspected of embezzling needs some extra protection because, I mean, he had special access and special responsibilities, uh, this whole range of things. None of that makes sense. We couldn't find an analog. So when it came down, there was, I thought, the same inclination, you know, when we talk about Bill Barr, we talk about his great affection for, what do we call it, the unitary presidency? Right. right. Yeah, and that even though we're supposed to all love Bill Barr now, you know, Bill Barr would stretch anything to protect those kind of uh, uh, extra powers. I think Eileen Cannon was doing the same thing. Yeah, I think it, in, you know, it may be as simple as um, she really believes that Trump um, 
is the subject to a political witch hunts that he's being treated unfairly. And she was lucky her in the position to help the guy out. And because she cared more about those political imperatives than what the 11th Circuit clearly cared about, which is the system itself. In other words, if the system is to work, when Trump, if Trump is finally indicted and goes to trial on these issues, the court system is set up to protect him had the warrant um, that the warrant shouldn't have been issued, his documents shouldn't have been taken, or there was somehow a taint um, of the evidence. That's where he's supposed to be protected, not have extrajudicial protections by the trial court judge, in this case, Judge Cannon. So I, I guess my takeaway is finally somebody is saying you're not president now, number one, but more importantly, no one in the United States of America is above the law. And this concept is so important. And what's interesting, John, is people are so cynical after six or seven or how many lifetimes or nightmares we've been living through with Trump that we think that guy just gets away with things. He's really not subject to the, to the law. He's above the law, to say that again. And yesterday it felt like, hmm, you know what, maybe Trump isn't above the law. And, you know, they say the wheels of justice grind slowly, but maybe finally he's getting his comeuppance. And I think there is a difference between doing something and we all have been like, oh, was that illegal or just stupid? And Trump does a lot of stupid stuff. So in the world of stupid, he's a star. But when he knows something is against the law and is legal, like taking those documents, and even if he didn't know when he created them out, he knew when the DOJ kept coming back to him and saying, you know, you need to give us what you got because you weren't allowed to take that. And he refused to do that. For that, he must be held accountable. And yesterday I felt like that finally may be happening. And I actually heard this morning, John, that... Um, Again, one of the TV lawyers say a, um, an indictment on that may be imminent now. And meaning, you know, within the next few months, which would be really like a huge earthquake, wouldn't it? It'd be a tremendous earthquake. And I, here is an uninformed feeling. I feel like it's even sooner than a few months. Really? Uh, yeah, that it, this could really be coming. Uh, I I think, you know, I know uh, guys like it's Jack Smith, right? Am I going to goof up the name? No, the that's special. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure this guy is above regular taunting and everything else. I got to tell you, these are still human beings, the lawyers in the Justice Department and even Smith and others. Uh, and, you know, immediately... Once Smith was named, Trump started right away taunting and even taunted about the guy's family, all the rest of these. I wonder if in a meeting at the Justice Department, some lawyer doesn't say, we have had enough of this crap. And it may not be that we're ready to move on January 6th, 
But you guys all know we have the documents case sitting here, and we could file that tomorrow if we wanted to. And Mr. Smith, I know you got to get over your surgery uh, and be all ready to go. Why don't we do it before Christmas? The hell with it. And just get that in there and fire a shot across this guy's bow. Someday, uh, Trump has got to hear and feel that he can't just continue to be the schoolyard bully. And I guess I'm probably reading too much emotion and those kind of things into an operation, the Justice Department, Garland's Justice Department, that really doesn't think that way. But if I were at the meeting, I might say that. <laughs> well, I would not um, dismiss the emotion because after a while, I think it just exhausts you to have to deal with someone like Trump. So do, would it surprise me that at some point they were like, we need to get this son of a bitch. Mm -hmm. And this is it. We finally have him on a case that is easy to make. And, you know, the January 6th case it's more difficult. They're just going to be getting all the documents from the committee. And, um, you know, the other bad thing that happened for Trump this week, though, was that they did get a conviction on Stuart Rhodes on the seditious conspiracy. And Rhodes wasn't in the building. So, you know, there, it is possible that they felt emboldened by that. And I would be nervous if I were all those people around Um around Trump, you know, the Giuliani's and the Eastman's, but that's a much, much more complicated kind of case to bring and to try. This documents case, it's, it feels like it's nothing. Like, did you take this stuff? I did. When we asked you for it, did you give it back? I did. I did not. Uh, you have publicly been talking about how you can magically declassify things. Do you really think that? And based on what? Uh, I take the Fifth Amendment. Well, you know, what's interesting about that piece, John, is that piece doesn't matter if Trump thinks he had the ability to do that. But that's a legal question. Like, one, did he have the ability to do it? And if he did, did he effectuate it? Did he go through the steps? And so that's the factual piece. The first is the legal piece. And again, this is what courts are set up to do. You know, this is, this is nothing for them to go through. This is a legal analysis. And then we'll put the facts to the jury if he's going to have it tried by a jury. But I have said to you, I don't believe he ever goes to trial. I think at the end of the day, what Trump always does is delay. And when he can't delay anymore... He settles. Plead, uh, plead, to, plead to, to a misdemeanor. To something. And yeah. um, he, they get all the documents back, which is really what they want. And if there were any um, espionage involved in that, then that would be a more serious thing. But my gut tells me there isn't espionage involved, that he was keeping trophies. And, you know, the ultimate criminal... Um, penalty for that? I don't know. So, 
But, you know, we'll have to wait and see because that could be a little Christmas present for everybody who has waited all these many years. Oh, man. In the middle of this month, on the 14th, I think I've mentioned, on your birthday, yes, uh, I am having foot surgery. So I'm going to be kind of laid up. And, man, some really good cable news. That'd be great. Yeah, that would keep the days going by fast. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, talk to you. Uh-huh, bye. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.